In this episode, we ask, is Paris a Disneyland for black people where racism doesn't exist? What explains the powerful symbolism that Paris has in the minds of African-Americans? Does the city's romanticized image hide a richer, more complicated black experience? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rebel Sisters podcast, where being black is about all of us. From San Juan to Chicago, from Paris to Brixton, and from Brooklyn to wherever you are. I'm Hélène Fossard. And I'm Iota Van. So, Iota, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I am so excited about this first episode. I am too, I have to say. Because, I mean, we're having those conversations back and forth since years in between us, in between friends, in between family. Mm-hmm. And suddenly we're like, well, let's bring more people in this conversation. Yep. We're in the same city. Let's do it. Absolutely. So what are we going to talk about today? Okay, so today for our first podcast, we're talking about Beyonce and Jay-Z's new video. Um, I'm also going to add in that we have the new uh, Louis Vuitton collection. Um, We're going to look at it, though, from an unusual angle. So we're going to kind of look at these people, these artists, these luminaries as people who are part of a long lineage of Black American artists who have chosen to live in Paris at some point, for some reason. And there's been many waves of African-Americans, starting with preachers, abolitionists from New Orleans and other colonies. Uh, We know that in the Jim Crow period, W.E.B. Dubois and other Harlem Renaissance artists such as Langston Hughes, uh, County Cullen, Josephine Baker sought refuge in Paris. And after World War II, we saw thinkers and public intellectuals like James Baldwin, um, Richard Wright, other civil rights leaders made their stop. And more recently, we've seen Ta-Nehisi Coates, um, who brought his son to live in Paris. Kanye West and Kim lived in Paris with their daughter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we want to understand what is this um, fascination uh, with France, why African-Americans are so fascinated with my country of France, right? And understand the fantasy, maybe, that is happening and is right now on Rebel Sisters. Okay, Qua. Okay, Qua, yes. Um, Oh, listeners, I'm French. Um, I'll be speaking with my French accent, but again, I was told that it's very romantic and kind of sexy, so enjoy this sexiness. Kind of thinking about the whole history of African-American artists going to Paris, because we're talking about, at this point, over a hundred years of African-Americans going to Paris for different reasons, right? And so I kind of, you know, when I started thinking about, okay, County Cullen, um, God, we've had Josephine Baker, um, it really started as like a refuge and a place to escape and be able to make it in, because they couldn't make it in the United States, you know? And then I feel like it evolved to more of like a place where intellectuals could go and kind of have really interesting philosophical conversations about blackness and about colonialism and about imperialism and about slavery and about, oh, Jim Crow and and segregation. And so there were all of these fascinating conversations that happened. And that's sort of like in the time of Richard Wright, um, 
James Baldwin, et cetera, et cetera. Then if I'm like, I'm trying to summarize everything that I've been looking at and I don't know if I'm doing the best job, but then I'm looking and I'm like, okay, now we're getting into like the eighties. We have Grace Jones, we have Prince. It's getting pretty fun. It's getting very like, um, fashion oriented, right. And pop culture oriented. And, um, by the time we get to the nineties, starting to be about being fancy. And now it's like just stunting or something like we're just there to be stunting. And I feel like the conversation has lost meaning. I don't know if it's enough to just be black in Paris and to say I made it. I feel like there's so many other conversations that we could have with each other, with the other black people in Paris, with the other white people in Paris, um, between our cultures that it's just not getting done because we're focused on stunting. I don't know. That's, that's where I, that's, I think what has been bothering me when I think about it. What is interesting is that the stunt is both ways because this kind of fantasy of what can be Paris and the symbolism of Paris, you know, aesthetism, uh, grace, uh, um, what else, uh, refinement, um, <clears throat> kings and queens, Versailles, you know, all this grandeur that makes uh, France. We as French people have the same fascination with America you know, and which, which is quite interesting. So it, it is, for example, very trendy for uh, French artists to go and shoot their video in America because mm -hmm. it, it's bringing this, you know, sense of like, you know, black America. And, uh, but again, because it's exotic. This exotism, um, we, we, we like it, we love it, and we love it both ways. But it's interesting to see that the conversation actually don't really happen. Because when Kanye arrived in Paris, for example, for his video and his title, Niggas in Paris, I don't know with which French rapper he maybe or artist, other artist, maybe he had a conversation about being black or the black experience or even about hip-hop. I mean, France being like the second country of hip-hop in the world, like what type of conversation do they have? I would love to know if, if, if Beyonce is having any type of conversations with a French black woman and exchange about their experience. Again, all of this is just like contained to the entertainment level, I would say, like just, you know, amusement, um, which actually pushed us to ask the question, is France a Disneyland for black people? No, it is not. I'm telling you, it is not. But it's fun. Why? Certainly because of privileges. I mean, this feeling of like privileges that each of us can feel, again, it's very much a feeling, mm -hmm. having on both sides of the ocean, I guess. Like... For example, Ayoda, I know that you lived in France for yeah. a while, dude. So you felt privilege. Yeah, yeah. As an American, you felt privilege. I did. I, I didn't. Um, and and you know, the, when they did um, niggas in Paris, that was the first time that I even realized that there was this sort of like um, blindness um, coming from my side of the ocean, where th they just really didn't see what was going on in France at all, and that it was considered kind of like. Um, I, I think it's rooted in history, you know? I mean, it's 
it, it certainly started out with we had a lot of um, people that couldn't make it and they really felt liberated in Paris. Um, but yeah, I mean, I came there. I didn't speak French at all. I learned um, by working um, because but I also went to school and I ended up staying for like three years and I loved it. It wasn't easy to learn that language, but I'm so glad that I did because it completely opened my eyes to um, these other experiences that not just black people, but white people, Europeans, um, I, I learned a lot about, yeah, what it meant, but I, I definitely had privileges, um, as an African American. Um, there were also really strange moments. I mean, I remember going to a gospel concert in a bar and everybody was drinking and feeling really offended, you know, but then I also remember really feeling like maybe white French people preferred to speak with me versus the guy from Senegal or the woman from Togo, they kind of preferred to speak with me because they didn't feel that um, we had shared that painful history. Um, and then when I came back to the U.S., I started seeing with um, my, you know, with, with black friends that they kind of saw the same thing in the United States where they were preferred to kind of engage with because it was just easier than dealing with African-Americans. It's terrible because when you think about it, like even back in the days, like in the 60s, Miles Davis finds in France at that time freedom, peace, uh, love. And um, he, he, he's not like trouble with bias, um, racial bias. He's actually dating Juliette Gréco, which is like a French uh, jazz singer. But at the same time, this is happening. Manu Dibango... So, saxophone player, the creator of Esomakosa. Meanwhile, Manu Dibango would love to attend Miles Davis' show, but cannot enter the club because he is African. So, this idea of privileges really sustained since a long time. Yes. And I think, you know, we're not aware of it because it tends to get so romanticized here in the United States. So I have a quote for you. Um, I don't know if I should make you guess who it's from. I'm just going to read it. Okay. All right. It can be a terrible trap. There are certain American impressions and legends of France, of de Gaulle, French girls, elegance, a pattern of myths. You have to be there to realize that Paris is a part of Europe all of Europe was involved in the slave trade. Now, it is perfectly true that in Paris, I, as a black American, was not treated the same way a man from Senegal or Algeria, former French colonies, was treated. I was an exotic. I was from somewhere else. They don't know, in fact, that I came out of the slave trade, which comes out of Europe. So for a while in Paris, you can slide because nobody's bothering you. On the other hand, if you have the sense to look around you to see what is happening to the Algerians, the Senegalese, and to any non-white person is the same thing that is happening to you here. So you have not really escaped anything at all. And this is James Baldwin from 1976, an Essence magazine interview. Wow. I thought that it was like literally an interview from someone done like last year or this year. Yeah. It's really amazing. Yeah. Wow, Baldwin was like super clear and like discerning what was happening. Thank you, James. Like you were not blind. It's 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 amazing. And yeah, well, <clears throat> I have a little story. It's a 
a kind of joke, but uh, it's not a joke. It's it's a joke, but yeah. Well, it's the story of this man who is in heaven, and he is bored. He is bored as hell. Everything is white and and silent and. So he goes to St. Peter, and he's like, St. Peter, please, I would love like to visit hell. And St. Peter is like, I need to ask the devil. So he's going to the devil. He's like, well, I, I have this uh, guest, you know, <laughs> <laughs> in the heavens that is very interested into visiting hell. And the devil is like, okay, send him in. So the guy goes in hell, and it's a party! Like, woo! Like the most beautiful girl and stuff. He can make love, you know, to, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, to how, uh, how many uh, women he wants. Like, everything is refined. There's haven't. drugs, there's alcohol. It's, like, fantastic. He's having the best time of his life. But everything gets to an end, and he's sent back to paradise, heaven. And there, boredom hits again. And he's like, oh my God, I need to do something. I need to get back to hell. It was so nice there. St. Peter, please, can I go back to hell? St. Peter is like, well, this is really unusual. Let me ask the devil. The devil is like, I don't understand this fascination with my world, but send him in. He's going back to hell again. This time, he's like bitten. They are pulling his hair on all direction. His nails are taken off one after the other is just like horrible and he's like please let me get out of here and then the devil is answering well men you will understand that there is a difference in between tourism and immigration <laughs> so it kind of shows a little bit like the reality of this right which is yeah. It's exotic, it's far, it's beautiful, you touch it, you know, you don't live with it for a long time, it's, it's, it's sweet, it's nice. But if you come and move in, suddenly you'll see something else, you'll see another face of the same reality. And, and I think that's what's happening actually in between both of our worlds. Because mm -hmm. when, when, when I started diving into, uh, again, I'm like French and African, I'm, I'm French and Cameroonian, and I started like diving into African-American history, I was really puzzled by, um, uh, by the, the, the violence of it. Uh, the <sighs> slavery was like, because the, the first, as, as French people, the first time I think we hear about slavery is touching the American history. Mm -hmm. And then later, mm -hmm. you, we will be taught that France was part of it. But like that's our first like encountering with with, with American culture. So I was really uh, uh, quite moved. But um, again, the parents made a difference because my mom was like, "Okay, now you know this side of history, but look also to this side of of, of history." So I grew up quite balanced um, in what I call the history of the traumatism of black people, which is which is crazy because we finally kind of uh, all grow up with this trauma story and not with, um, I would say, a more empowering history. Yes. And the system will not give you the empowering, you know, version of it. So if you're not, like, surrounded with, by people who are, like, conscious, who... Uh, have like a sense of what history means, then yeah, you pass it. And so many of us, unfortunately, pass on this 
pass on history, but the same way we pass on the French history, for example, with the colonies, and the same way French people are passing on, on African-American history, kind of, you know, take shortcuts, glorifies what, why, like, in, for instance, in the beginning of the 80s, when the hip-hop and rap developed in France, um, the the, the art form mm -hmm. developed magnificently. It was great. We, we, oh, it was such a beautiful period of time. But at the same time, French uh, b-boys uh, were also mimicking the gang culture. So they were taking like, you know, all of this without even um, making any difference. Or um, for them, it was like America. America mm. is, is, is about that. So if, as we are fascinated by America, we will reproduce the same thing mm -hmm. at home, right? Mm -hmm. And some arguments could be made that some of that still is going on. But I, sometimes I wonder, is it actually, you know, if, if we talk about um, the way that we think about race and categories in France, which is you're pretty much encouraged not to, um, and that's kind of rooted in the concepts of égalité and um, fraternité, Sometimes I wonder if it's not, you know, sometimes you might think that ignorance is bliss in some ways because does it allow people to sort of ascend and and be bigger than black or be big, bigger than a slave? I, you know, sometimes I ask myself that question. I don't know. Do you think there's some value in it? That's a hard question. Because, I, but, but and I'll tell you, the, the flip side is I definitely had coworkers in France tell me, well... There's no racism in France. Black and white, I had people tell me that. Well, that's something that happens in the United States. And then just the other day, I had a coworker here in the United States tell me that, well, France didn't really get into slavery, right? I mean, they don't really do that stuff. Yeah, you're right. Ignorance. I don't know. Ignorance is definitely bliss in this case. But um, in 2018, it's, it's hard, like... I don't to, think bliss is what we need. <laughs> to still, like, be ignorant. I mean, with the internet and, and everything, like, it, 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 it's hard for me to wrap my head around the idea of that there's still, like, people not having a grasp of uh, history, mm. of, 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 of us, history of black people. So... We're going to help you guys. We're going to try the best we can to put everything into perspective every time we kind of like speak about something. Because, yeah, um, there's no way you can, you can like put your hand, like talking about the video of Kanye and, and Beyonce. Um, uh, it's important to have like, for example, historical references, but also uh, histoire de l'art. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, history of art references to understand like you know the symbolism of it like everyone had to be to go on Facebook and and hear whoever was talking about it to explain what are the references that are in there but again like attacking those symbols stays something very quite obscure for everyone who is not um uh, uh, who is not versed in, in art. Mm, like, mm -hmm. how would you decipher and understand this video if you don't know uh, about Napoleon, if you don't know about uh, La Venus de Milo, if you don't know about, like, those those paintings? So... I, I think they're leaving... It's sort of a trend, though, right? Like, to, to say very little and try to show a lot visually. Yes. And it's almost like they're, like, leaving... What do they call it? Like, an Easter egg hunt? 
Um, like, and you're supposed to figure out what it means. But I haven't seen any analysis that said like, hey, you know, Napoleon actually, you know, after slavery was abolished. Wait, let me pull out my dates. Okay. So, yes. So I haven't heard anybody say like, hey, in 1794, France abolished slavery. But then Napoleon put it back in place. With laws. And with laws. And then there were all of these people that lost their lives in, in Guadeloupe and elsewhere fighting for their freedom and fighting for this not to happen because they had tasted freedom and they didn't want to go back. You know, or the say or hey, the same year that Napoleon crowned himself king was the same year that Haiti declared its independence. See? I mean, these are all things that we don't talk about and I haven't seen them exactly. in the analyses. You said something like very important, like the independence of Haiti. Like, I wish that Beyonce and Jay-Z would have done, like, a fantastic video in Haiti because this is real history, this is power to us, and this is empowering us. This is, this is strong. This is, this is radical. This is a great message to the world. I mean, let's not forget that Haiti in, in I mean, early uh, uh, 18th century was like the richest, the rich, one of the richest area in this world with like the, the, the sugar trade. Um, Haiti was this beautiful, beautiful city where the whole world wanted to be and go because life was good and there were lots of sugar and there were lots of money um, and there were a lot of free men. Because mm -hmm. in Haiti, what is interesting is that the community of free men was huge. The maroons that refu refuged themselves in the, in the forest was huge. So huge that you could have like free citizens like Jean-Baptiste du Sable who came and founded Chicago. So when, when you look at the history of men and, and, and you kind of cut, you know, or forget about its branches, then this is where I think we're starting to lose um, sense of what we're doing. And as you said, we, 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 we want to pass like great messages, but we we know very few and we're making it big so it's significant but the significance is maybe not in the uh, I mean the significance is definitely somewhere else guys that's what I'm saying well I think that there's so many great interesting links between African Americans and France and African Americans and black French people we we talked about this before how the first African American newspaper was published in New Orleans it was published in French Um, so there's so many wonderful links between these countries, but that's not what we talk about. What we talk about is like Louis Vuitton and I don't know, Balmain and like beautiful brands. I won't refuse that. If somebody wants to offer me a Louis Vuitton purse, of course I'll take it. But that's not the only thing that we need to be talking about. I mean, there's so many, there's so many things that we could be talking about together. Shopping in Paris. We gonna win shopping in Paris, nigga. I joke around a lot with a lot of my Black Lives Matters friends who I find myself sitting around in rooms with oftentimes. And I say, hey, if you want to experience white privilege, hop on a plane and go anywhere with your American passport and you will experience American privilege. And you'll be able to understand exactly what it's like to have certain doors open for you and back rooms open for you and privileges given to you just as a result of what happens when you open your mouth and people realize where you're from. And that's Saul Williams. Uh, who gave this interview in 2015 to the Washington Post. And that interview is full of really interesting quotes about um, the experience and, and what it is to, uh, 
I think it's really disorienting actually to go between countries and, and understand, okay, in this one context, I have these limitations. And in this other one, I have these advantages. True. And we don't I talk think, about um, it because it's something we just um, don't talk about very much. Again, I think like it, 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 it would mean that we are in touch with the reasons of the why and the reasons of the why are history, uh, political context. Um, and it's a little complex Right, because um, I mean, if if we start tapping, for example, mm -hmm. into uh, mm -hmm. uh, the French colonial history, um, yes, it is complex. Um, uh, so, and it's, uh, and it's and it's useful. I mean, it's it's not just that you're a bad person if you're going to France and you're you're getting into a nightclub because you spoke with an American accent. It's like you, um, okay, let's talk about Rihanna, for example. They, she is also being used, right? Um, Rihanna didn't really, she wasn't in the lab creating um, Fenty, <laughs> Fenty Beauty products, okay? She's the face of a big French company that's been doing this for so long. I don't know when they were founded. But Fenty Beauty is, you know, is actually backed by LVMH, LVMH, which also owns Louis Vuitton, which also owns Moet Hennessy, which owns all of these huge luxury brands. And they've been in the business of making makeup for years. Now, what's different is that now they're using the face of Rihanna and now they're using, they um, probably, I'm, I think she's a genius businesswoman. And she probably insisted that they actually, you know, when they did their product launch, that they used all of the colors of the rainbow so that they could really um, acknowledge, um, you know, everybody from the lightest white to a, a very dark chocolate, right? And I think that that's amazing and I'm happy that it was done, but it wasn't, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is that Rihanna, along with Beyonce, along with Jay-Z, along with Kanye, they're backed by corporations, you know, and if we really want to go deep, we can say, well, hey, look at Universal Music. It's owned by Vivendi. Vivendi is a French company. So every time you see African-American music being sold in France, just know that it's that there is a huge French holding company that's heavily invested in that happening as well. So it is complex. Um, and I have a hard time, like, I, I didn't blaming anybody for anything. It's just kind of the way that the world has that the world but has for been. what it, what I know about the black experience is that um, I mean racism was not founded on just a, a feeling racism was founded for greed reasons for money reasons so now when you're conscious and you know that and you 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 know what you just said you acknowledge what what you just said right all of this mm -hmm. is like held by like those big companies and Listed on the stock exactly. exchange. Exactly. What I see I mean. is that in 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 a time of of um, in a time where um, like each nations is kind of like you know they are all living their crisis and it becomes like almost like a world crisis and we see that capitalism can be like you know uh, maybe not the right model for a society or and and to see like imper the American imperialism transpiring through the work of our African-American brothers and sisters for us, Afropean and Africans in the world. It's hard to swallow. And um, and I, I'm, mm. I'm wondering sometimes mm -hmm. if 
if France had, if, if France or Africa had like, was creating a movement as strong as Black Matter, uh, you know, movement and decide, and if those nations were deciding, for example, to um, boycott LVMH, LVMH products, would mm -hmm. our African-American brothers would follow? That is a question that I always ask myself. Like, if wow. we tomorrow, African or Afropean people decided, because the LVAMH is a French-based company, if that again, we know that revolution, like to 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 make changes, you have to attack the money. So if we decide not to buy LVHM anymore, LV LVMH anymore, would would America follow? Oh, girl, I don't have the answer to that. <laughs> wow. I would love to hear your, your reactions to that, listeners. Really. Um, Me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I don't know how many people have thought about well, it Well, it's before, something that I'm know? trying to push on Twitter I mean, since years, but it looks like uh, it's, not taking, it's not taking off. It, it's fun to buy stuff. It's it's a it's it's a therapy for some people. So I don't know. Buy something else. Buy <laughs> that's black. Another, buy that's black. another conversation. Buy black. <laughs> you know, I was reading that there was a a movement at um some time way back in the day, like to buy um, like at the time when people were fighting for abolition, to buy um, products that were not uh, created through slavery. Which I need yeah, to do something some more. Yeah, um, yeah, something like that. Research on that, and so they were actually. It was at the time of when Haiti had declared their independence, so people were actually saying buy products from Haiti, which I didn't know that that See? even happened. Or so. another another idea: if 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 we are so fascinated with the French uh, style and way of life and chateau and kings and queens, and why not buying one of those chateaux? The Chinese did. A lot of people are buying chateaus in France right now, like you know. It's it's they they're, they're buying milk. I'm saying, yeah, let's buy a chateau and make it a school for um, uh, I don't know superpower children, black children who I don't know. But like, yo, can we use this money to make something constructive? That's all I want. I, I want to ask for. I'm like, okay, great. Thank you for the Carter family. You just gave like 15k or. 15,000K or, or more to shoot this video at the Louvre. But again, you're giving money to the wrong people. Bon, that's, it's done. Stunton. <sighs> Stunton. <laughs> I had no other word for it after I looked at it. I was like, what are we doing now? We're, We're just, just done. done. We're just that's like, oh, well. <laughs> okay, it's done. Okay. Bon, what is next? Yeah. Did you know also that I didn't realize this, the creative director, um, Olivier oui. Coustin, oui. I didn't realize he had also done all of the um, costumes for oh. Coachella. Yep, for Beyonce's um, okay. performance at Coachella. Okay. He worked with her on that. So the, the connections are like, it's happening. are it's alive, happening. you know? Yeah, but what else what can else we do? What else can we do? I think we can do yes. a lot more. Well, listeners... It was Hélène Fossard and, and Iota Van. And Iota Van. the first episode of Rebel Sisters. Stay tuned and see you next time for episode two. Bye.